You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Moultrie Mobile. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up to the minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first of its kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, Whenever you get a chance to listen to this, welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast. And I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I have with me Damon Booth, and Damon is the founder and co-owner of 2% Certified Chucker Chasers. He is also the president of the Chucker Chaser Foundation. And for a lot of people, uh, maybe in the Midwest, uh, maybe down south, maybe I don't know if they have chuckers down south. I feel like they don't. But this one was, uh, you know, I'm sure that many of you uh, are familiar with chucker hunting. Um, but you know, those who reside in some of the Western States, um, probably much more familiar, um, possibly even get a chance to do it themselves. Um, so this one was, uh, pretty interesting for me because I got to learn, you know, at least, uh, kind of a broad overview of chucker hunting. Um, yeah, I kind of touch on it throughout the episode, but my experience, uh, or my limited knowledge is really based upon, uh, just, some videos that I've seen uh, on YouTube and um, and things like that. So it was super cool and, and interesting to to hear about, you know, what started as a group of buddies um, just trying to, you know, capture their hunts when they were out chucker hunting, 
which turned into you know a YouTube page, which then kind of snowballed into making some apparel, um, which from there turned into uh, the Chucker Chaser Foundation, uh, which really focuses on getting the youth involved in chucker hunting. Um, they do a big hunt with the youth there in Nevada uh, every year um, and get to you know do you know raise a ton of money um, there in Nevada, uh, you know, and also, you know, getting, um, you know, our youth, this next wave of, of conservationists out into the field, teach them, you know, proper gun safety, um, you know, just proper etiquette when you're out on the land and all of these things that, you know, while they're still young, uh, it really sets them up nicely, um, to be a real steward of the land, um, and conservationists as they get older and, and, you know, hopefully they decide to, to continue to do this, you know, on their own when they, when they get of age. So really cool. We talk about also, um, how a kind of unforeseen incident with some party crashers at one of their banquets, uh, led to a second chapter, uh, of the Chucker Chasers Foundation out in Idaho. Um, a lot of times when you think of, uh, party crashers, I guess, uh, it usually has a negative connotation, but this one actually turned out to be a really cool story. And what it turned into um, has really only helped benefit um, chuckers uh, in Idaho. So uh, really fun episode. Damon, you know, I felt like he was kind of in a time crunch. Um, we had a limited amount of time and I felt like there was you know, still a bunch more that we could touch on. So hopefully we can get him back on again, maybe towards the end of the year after their, um, their youth hunt um, later this fall. So Episode 90, Damon Booth. Uh, enjoy. Uh, today's episode is going to be brought to you by my friends over at Stone Glacier. Uh, obviously, last week we had Jeff Spazito on, the president and CEO of Stone Glacier. And if you guys have not had a chance to, to try out any of Stone Glacier's um, backpacks, sleep systems, uh, technical apparel as far as like outerwear, any of their base layers, or you just want to kick up pick up a cool t-shirt or a hat, head over to stoneglacier.com, check it out, download the Stone Glacier app, whether on um, iTunes or Google Play, whichever type of device you have, and stay up to date with all the latest uh, offerings. Uh, They came out with a cool video a few weeks ago. Um, You guys can just really kind of stay in the now um, with Stone Glacier. So again, head over to stoneglacier.com. All right, on the line with me today, I have the founder and co-owner of 2% Certified Brand Chucker Chasers, as well as the president of the Chucker Chasers Foundation, Damon Booth. Damon, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, <clears throat> this has been a long time in the making, and I mean, I feel like it's been probably a good six months or so that you and I have been in contact kind of back and forth, and we, we haven't ever been able to get our schedules to align we were talking, uh, you know, just prior to actually recording here and given your day job, uh, I completely understand uh, where some of the scheduling conflicts have uh, come into play. So, no, I'm glad that we're uh, finally able to make this happen. Oh, it was a lot of communicating back and forth and texts that at times went unanswered. So I do apologize on my end for that. But, yeah, definitely glad we were able to finally connect. Yeah. So <clears throat> I know we were, uh, we've got a hard stop here, so there's a lot that I want to cover, but Let's kind of jump right into it. Tell me about Chucker Chasers. Well, it uh, started by just a group of friends, really filming on uh, on with well filming on GoPros, um, 
while chucker hunting and then throwing the videos up one of the guys would edit for us and we'd throw them up on youtube and from there um, at the time i was going uh to graduate school so i'd come back for my winter break and get as much content as i could in a short amount of time we'd all send it in to a buddy and he'd uh he'd kind of compress it all and and uh do the uh editing and then release videos and then it came uh you know it was it was something that was great to do when i was in uh in school elsewhere um and then it was you know the thought process behind it is there's more to this than just videos um you know creating a brand and having a brand recognition and then uh having merchandise so um around 2015 um it became more of a legitimate uh entity um where it was a a partnership that then um led into the the formation of an, an actual company um an online presence with merchandise and the continuation of the videos and since then um, you know, there was always talks of, you know, you're out in the desert, uh, you know, chasing these birds or, or, or game planning and you come back at the end of the day and it was like, Hey, we need to have a video or not a video. We need to have a, uh, an actual event where, you know, it's one thing to tailgate at the end of the hunt and, you know, talk about the day, how the day went, dog, how the dogs did and all that. Um, but it was a, a matter of, um, let's just have a shindig, like throw a little, a little party, get people together, um, of like minds and, and talk about their season and talk about their bird dogs. I mean, it's, it's that commonality amongst us all, which I think, uh, brings us together. Um, and then the, the cool thing about where we're located, there's a, a, a huge Basque presence with the Basque culture. Um, and the Basque culture is big on their family style, uh, events and, uh, meals. And so, uh, we threw a party, um, and so 2017, I think, is when the first little shindig went down, and the fundraiser, um, surprisingly, um, you know, uh, uh, it was more successful than we anticipated in the sense of we sold 100 tickets to the dinner. It was actually at a Basque restaurant in Reno, Nevada, and uh, we said, hey, this is like there's something here, obviously, and so from that um fundraiser people were reaching out hey where's the money going to go which they had every right to ask right. that question and so we just immediately said well we we uh we appreciate the work that our uh, uh department of wildlife um does throughout the year and provides us with a season and numbers on reporting you know how the 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 you know uh, precipitation was the the green up on um, the hatch um, all those, you know, we're dependent on trying to get some information out of our, our uh, government agency. And so uh, we just turned around and donated the whole check to the to Department Nevada Department of Wildlife. Um, but then from that and those inquiries that came in, we're like, we need to legitimize even this fundraiser for, I mean, the, the tax benefit that, that donors, um, you know, are provided, but just for transparency purposes. So in 2018, the foundation was formally formed and then since then it's been uh hosting the annual fundraising events and from those events uh that money is now delegated um based on a board's decision there's a a board of about 15 individuals um pretty diverse uh, board which is pretty cool i mean um we have, I mean, different with chucker hunters, we're, we're pretty secretive on where we go. So I'll admit, <laughs> even, even, even with this board, we're, we're all close, but we tend to not always hunt together. It's like, you know, Hey, you have your little, you know, click that you kind of go hunt with and in your spots. 
Um, we, we, we do our best to try to pry information out of one another uh, throughout the season or in the off season, but it's a very close board, but it is a very diverse board, which is, which is great. And I think necessary. Um, and then, yeah, even with, you know, the, the weird times we're going through the last couple of years, uh, the board has been pretty proactive with maintaining uh, community involvement, raising funds. And then although we didn't have our youth chucker hunt in 2020, we were successfully able to put a youth chucker hunt on last uh, October, which was a huge success. Um, and, and that's really what our focus is with the foundation. There's a lot of nonprofits out there that say wildlife conservation, which is very general. Um, and we do use that phrase, but our, our focus is youth involvement. Um, you know, in, in, in the, you know, the retention and engagement of youth in the uplands is crucial because hopefully one day they're fighting the good fight to keep public lands. Right. Um, so the foundation tries to do an annual dinner event. Um, maybe something, some other events throughout the year. And then the focus is really uh, providing a, a youth chucker hunt and then delegating it to other, um, other opportunities that come up. I mean, one specifically, like everyone knows out West and really throughout, you know, uh, the West and even East coast and South, um, the, the drought and the wildfire seasons have been gnarly. So, you know, a lot of rehab efforts, uh, the, the Chucker Chaser Foundation is always willing to um, donate and contribute towards those uh, rehabilitation efforts for, for uh, you know, wildlife habitat. Um, so that's another focus of, of the foundation as well. So a long-winded response to uh, your, your initial question. <clears throat> no, that's good. That's, uh, that's usually a lot more than I get out of people. And then I usually have to ask about five or six follow-up questions to get a little bit more information, <laughs> but you kind of hit it out of the park there on the first, uh, on the first try. Um, cool. <laughs> so the one, of the, one of the things that I really like, um, you know, I was obviously looking at the foundation, um, you know, before we got, before we jumped on here and, the the aspect or the focus around getting youth involved um, in upland hunting, uh, really in any type of outdoor activity, uh, like you said, I think is crucial uh, for the future of you know whether it's hunting, whether it's angling, you know any type of really outdoor recreation. Um, you know we need to instill in them at a young age, you know the importance of taking care of our wildlife and our, and our wild places. And, you know, kind of, you know, teaching them conservation. But I think at that age, you have to you have to do it in the right way. Right. Because if you if you sit down, a you know, 12, 13 year old kid and you're like, this is conservation, you know, and conservation really can have a very broad um, definition, uh, I guess, depending on, on how you want to look at it. Or you can practice conservation in a lot of different ways. But I think the the hands on approach um, through hunting is a great way to. Um, kind of keep them active in it, right? And showing them the benefits and explaining to them why, um, you know, uh, population management is, is such a critical part, the habitat restoration and, and all the information um, that goes into like the, the uh, fish and game department that you talked about there in Nevada and the information that they provide. I mean, those things are crucial. And I think a lot of people take that information for granted or they take that work for granted um, and to, to, to have an understanding of that at an early age and carry that through your, you know, your entire life and your, all of your pursuits in the outdoors, uh, I think is critical. All right. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's really, 
what we try to do with these youth events and even with our the annual fundraising event, you know, to get the the agencies on board. I mean, this is a collaboration. I think those who say wildlife conservation, you know, it could be buying a firearm, buying ammunition because of the tax associated with it. And are they right? Yes. Um, but then there's also, you know, more that could be done with it in the sense of going to some of these events, spending the money where you know where the dollars are going. And so with the foundation, like I said earlier, you know, the biggest thing is transparency. So when we promote an, an event, which the Reno event is going on, um, next month march 12th which is great because the event already sold out within two weeks and so my thought process behind that is you know for a sellout that quick is people know where the money's going they know that they're devoting their time energy and effort and their their money to this event to raise some some of these funds that then uh, will stay solely in the state of nevada at the you know money raised at this event and then where where it goes, they see that there's transparency of what's being done with it. And so with the youth chuck hunt specifically, we bring those agencies to collaborate with us. So then youth get exposed to it. Hey, this is available. These are resources to take advantage of. You could call the biologist and say, hey, I'm thinking about hunting this area. Like what are like what do you see out there? Like did they you know, how were the, the, the rainfall uh, to this specific mountain range? Uh, was it beneficial to the hatch? Is there green up? Certain things like that. I'll agree. People don't take advantage of, of the uh, the information that's uh, out there. And they are, you know, government employees. Uh, it's our taxpayer dollars. Um, I've never dealt with an, a, an agency even outside of the state of Nevada where I've called and I have had a hang up or someone not provide information. Um, for instance, I hunted Southern California a few years back and I, you know, picked the brain of a few, uh, wildlife, um, agents, re- representatives, and they knew that I was doing my homework. They'd send me some information, then I'd respond. And I think, or I like to think that they were appreciative that I wasn't just, you know, seeking information without also doing my own homework. Um, but yeah, we, we absolutely have that, uh, that information, that resource. And if we could instill that in youth to recognize these, you know, these are benefits that we have. And so long as, like I said, we have these public lands out West, um, take full advantage of them. Who knows how long they'll last. Um, but for now we have the ability to, to utilize them, um, and to go out and drive in the middle of nowhere and, and hunt. And so with the youth hunt, if they, you know, you gravitate towards that, recognize it. And if we could provide them with the tools and, and even we do a raffle, a little raffle, even at these youth hunts where every kid walks away with some type of, uh, gear, equipment, hardware, uh, you know, even a youth shotgun to then take out in the field and actually utilize. So it's, it's kind of, uh, planting the seed, uh, you know, early where that they at least get the, uh, experience, um, and, and, and know how, uh, that then they could take. And if they get into hunting, uh, immediately thereafter, great. If it's later in life, um, uh, which, you know, some of us, we all have different upbringings and, and, and yep. stories as to how, how we got into hunting. Uh, if they could take what they learned at a young age and then a decade from then, just be able to reflect back on it. Great. I mean, we, we did our job and, and that money was, was well utilized. So, yeah. So a couple things there. <clears throat> One, when you talked about, you know, getting the youth involved, I mean, for me, growing up in the Midwest here, you know, the, the outdoors, um, deer camp, you know, duck hunting, you know, really any type of, of outdoor activity was 
was very commonplace, right? It was very normal. Um, you know, a vast majority of my friends growing up uh, were into hunting or fishing or something like that. And I was just thought that was normal, right? And likely because I grew up in a very small rural community and I wasn't exposed to a lot of, you know, a lot of other um, people with, you know, you know, that had maybe more of a, uh, like a metropolitan or, you know, city type upbringing. And as you get older, you start to, you know, make new friends, whether it's college, you know, just into your adult life. And the more you get to know them and they grew up in, you know, a city or, or something like that. And, you know, some of them have never, they've never even thought about hunting or, you know, maybe they went on like a charter fishing trip one time or something, you know, something along those lines where it's, it's, it's not the, the same, I guess, um, as growing up doing it and being a bit more self-sufficient um, with it, you know, having the equipment to be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go deer hunt, right. Or I'm going to go bird hunt, whatever the case is. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's such a powerful thing. The, the things that you can learn, um, and the appreciation that you gain when you start that at a young age. And, and not only that, just kind of the life lessons it teaches you about, you know, perseverance and patience and, you know, just respecting mother nature, because I don't think that that's something that, uh, is instilled in a lot of people these days, unfortunately. Nope. I'd, uh, absolutely agree. Sometimes, you know, when we're out cruising around the desert and just talking about things, it's kind of, you know, statistically how many hunters are there and for sure hunters are a minority. Um, it's a, it's a very small group. And I think with the weird times we've been dealing with, there was an absolute increase in the use of public lands when people realized in those urban areas, like, wow, we could drive and this is a quote unquote free playground and we could, you know, get outdoors when a lot was just shut down. Um, you know, it was a real, I think truthfully eye opening for individuals. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think there's, you know, with, there's always good and bad with certain situations. So with the increased use of public lands and, 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 transportation you know the, the the amount of distances being driven to certain areas and the the respect for that land um you know i know that being out i saw a lot more trash i saw a lot more recreational uh utv riders that were making their own roads as opposed to staying on the ones that were, have been there for years um <laughs> so you know things in it you know it's very much cringeworthy and so you just hope hey if you're going to continue to utilize this like respect it. Um, and, and that is a, a focus of ours, even with getting youth involved. It's a presentation on, I mean, really the, the emphasis of safety with firearms, right? but then, then the respect and, and the ability to communicate. I think with the times we live in, it, we're very uh, focused on technology. And so with that, you know, communication sometimes to be lost. And so we, when we have these events, it is a, 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 uh, emphasis to ask questions, to speak up. Um, if you don't know, you know, no questions, a, a dumb one, um, you know, utilize the, the representatives and the volunteers around, ask board members, ask, you know, law enforcement or uh, Department of Wildlife agents who are, are, are walking around, talk to them, pick their brain. Uh, everyone hunts different. Everyone, uh, you know, does things differently. But at the same time, like the, those core values are still there. Um, and the core safety uh, that's emphasized is still there. And so if we could 
emphasize that at our events we just hope that then they take that um if they don't get into hunting maybe it's fishing maybe it's just recreational hiking uh they develop you know or have that understanding of respect um and you know it it carries over you know into their lifetime that's the hope at least yeah no i think that that's um a great um a great way to to approach things and to a great uh, path to kind of set these these youth down um, to have that kind of full big picture understanding. Um, is it ever, uh, you know, kind of wild to think that, you know, seven, eight years ago when you were just making footage um, of some cool chucker hunts with your buddies that, you know, in this day or in this, you know, 2022, that you would have you know, your own, um, you know, lifestyle apparel brand, you know, accompanied with an actual 503C or five, yeah, 503C, uh, foundation to help, you know, the, the, the species itself. Honestly, it's, uh, it's kind of surprising. It's very cool. Um, I don't pride myself on being a, uh, you know, any elite type trucker hunter, um, trucker hunting is just something I was raised around in Northern Nevada. I'm grateful for my father to get me involved. And then, yeah, to be around, you know, individuals who just love getting after it, uh, to, you know, take advantage of every weekend or weekday during the trucker season to, um, just load up the truck, load up the dogs and go in the desert. So it, it's very cool to reflect on that, you know, there's a, there's a following and one thing that we've always, um, been supportive of and, and just kind of our, our outreach and even getting involved, you know, having the 2% certification is just the community aspect of it. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm one of the individuals behind Chucker Chasers that then has formed this foundation. And one day I hope to pass off the torch. I hope, you know, like with this board, we have, you know, very strong leadership on the board and it's just a, a matter of time before I kind of get burnt out from it and can pass it on. <laughs> Um, with the media content side, it's, it's very cool that, um, people like seeing, um, you know, the, the, the photography, the, uh, cinematography, the, the edits, the content that we push out, but then also share editors, you know, with the, the Instagram on the, the chucker chaser side of things. Um, you know, it's, it's a very much community driven. And so those who, you know, as lame as it is with hashtags, but those who tag and hashtag, it's, you know, an opportunity to say, all right, you know, we're, we'll, we'll just as much want, like we want to share your experiences with others. Um, and we're grateful for the, the following that's there, um, the community aspect and that, you know, the, the brand recognition behind it. So to reflect on it, it's crazy. I mean, my wife, uh, we were just dating when this was all kind of new and I said, Hey, there's just this thing, uh, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> there, there's kind of a following early on and it was just an idea. I mean, it all started as a concept, like many things do. Uh, so very cool that, you know, it's, uh, it's grown to where it is. I mean, from, a, a, a kind of a lifestyle brand media content to the foundation um then we had some uh we actually had some party crashers a few years back at one of the foundation dinners and these uh great guys from from idaho came down they said they uh they said they didn't have a ticket which is is, is great because um our events like i said you know it's nice when they do sell out and so these guys just thought they could show and get a ticket and at first i was pretty uh, uh stern that hey we'll let you in um, a discounted, you know, ticket because, you know, I wasn't going to allow dinner because I didn't want to disrupt the the cooks and, you know, everything that had been done previously with like the, the planning. Um, and these guys ended up, you know, now they're, they went from um, kind of the 
community chucker hunters, you know, we're all in it for the same uh, to, you know, their, their friends. I consider them, you know, close, uh, not only colleagues, but, but friends uh, up in Idaho who crashed a party in Reno. And then they came back and said, hey, we want the same um, type of event fundraiser up in Boise. And so worked with them on a, a, a chapter affiliation agreement. And they are now our one and only uh, chapter um, that's up in Idaho. And they're actually having their dinner on April 2nd this year. They couldn't have it last year. Um, and they're doing the exact same thing. All money raised there stays there, although the foundation itself facilitates and kind of advises and, and is there for guidance. No money is ever collected. That's one thing that, uh, you know, all these foundations that are out there, um, our biggest thing is if you raise money on your, you know, at your chapter, that's your money. Uh, we're not here. There's no administrative cost that the foundation collects that pays out to its its volunteers and board members. Um, so it's cool that the, the from party crashing that a branch of the foundation was formed up in Idaho and they've been successful the last couple of years. So. Yeah, no, that's very cool. Um, when it comes to, to chucker hunting, so I know what chucker hunting is. I've seen some videos, but aside from that, I have very little knowledge of chucker hunting other than like, again, some of the videos that I've seen. So for some of our listeners that may not have a, a real grasp, now, if you're an upland hunter, you know, true upland hunter, I, I'm going to apologize for, uh, my ignorance on the topic here ahead of time. But I mean, what is chucker hunting like? I mean, compared to like, you know, if you see like pheasant hunting in Iowa or, you know, woodcock or, or part, you know, whatever the case, partridge, you know, whatever type of other upland hunting where, you know, I think of in Michigan here where it's a lot, um, you know, close quarters, thick woods, you know, um, getting right up on top of the dog to, to get the, the dog to flush the bird or to get the bird to, you know, flush itself. I mean, what is chucker hunting like? Because obviously you're doing it in, you know, much more wide open spaces. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like first thing that comes to mind, I, I mean, I've been chucker hunting for, you know, multiple decades now and I, I really don't even have uh, a true description of it other than, you know, the first word that came to mind was challenging. <laughs> I've um, heard a lot that. of people come, Yep, a lot of people. I mean, we call them devil birds, uh, wild devil devil birds. They they get in your head. It's it's challenging in the sense of um, you get to locations you wouldn't think anything exists, and you find you know you see some water, you see green up, you see rock outcroppings, and those rock outcroppings are a pretty gnarly elevation, and so you're you know you're you're in for a climb, and you get up to the top of the you know the rock out rock outcropping you uh, you wanted to hit. And hopefully you get a good point and a good flush, a bird or two down, and those birds fly all the way to the other canyon, fly all the way down, and all day you're going up, down, up, down, one more ridge. Uh, it's just a constant uh, use of the human body uh, just to get, you know, on these things. And then the worst is they have a cackle um, that sounds like a chuck, 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 chuck. And so it's, uh, it's a laughing matter to them. It appears <laughs> where you're, you're mentally physically exhausted. And then you hear that cackle pick up and you're like, are you kidding me? I just walked that or my dog just hunted that. Um, it, uh, it's, it's an addiction to, um, you know, without a doubt, it's, it's my passion. I, I do some big game hunting if I'm fortunate to draw a tag, but, you know, every, everyone has a chucker tag. Uh, we've actually made a little joke on it with with the the, the business and the you know the the brand itself. 
we uh, we have chucker tag decals, and unfortunately, we have had some people reach out. Oh, I didn't realize I needed a chucker tag, and it's like, no, that's it's all in jest. <laughs> you don't need a, a you need a license, but that's you don't the point need of an it. Yeah, tag. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's just a it's just a challenge. I mean, it's it's uh, it's exciting. Um, it's thrilling to see dogs truly work an area that looks so um, barren that you know they go on point. And you're like, how how is there anything right there? And they blend in so well with the terrain. Um, and then these, truthfully, these are you know the fight or flight of a chucker um, is is crazy. I mean, I've I've seen birds drop, thinking, all right, you know, heard the thud, that bird's down, and then just the adrenaline of this bird to be able to pop up you know, jump on its feet and, uh, take flight again. And you're just like, how did that just happen? <laughs> um, and, and it's, it's always unfortunate, you know, when you do lose birds, because, you know, you know, it was a challenge on your end, the dog did such great work and then to lose game that, you know, you, you, you either winged or crypt, you hope you don't, you know, have that situation. You walk away from a down bird that then did pop up and will probably just be a, a coyote's meal. But, um, it's definitely an addiction. So challenge was the first word. Uh, addiction's the the subsequent word associated with it. And like I said, they don't have the 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 the, the pseudo name of wild uh, devil birds for nothing. So they're, they're they're truly devilish. What kind of dogs are you guys using? I mean, I've seen you know obviously there's you know a, a variety of different you know actual pointing dogs, but then I've also seen you know like people who you know have pointing labs right that will use labs for you know pheasant hunting and upland type hunting so what type of of dogs are you guys running i will say with with hearing that about the pointing labs uh one of the other guys co-founder of uh chucker chasers he thought he bought a pointing lab at one time (laughs) and yeah he claims the dog pointed at least one time uh i may may not have seen it point one time but uh, I think he was conned into a pointing lab, um, <laughs> and he still gets gets some uh, some grief for it. And uh, thankfully, that 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 quote unquote pointing lab is still around. He's a he's a great dog, um, but I think pointers like pointers uh, in my experience. I mean, every every bird dog will say they have the best dog, and I'll admit, for as much as I've been out, I mean, I I uh, you know give my dogs I've had you know current and in the past kind of like a rating. Um, my current dog's great, but I, is he the greatest? No, <laughs> I've had better dogs and hunted behind better dogs, but he gets the job done. And so, um, I was raised around Britney's Britney Spaniels were great, but endurance wise, um, my dad saw when I was you know much younger, I, I picked up a short hair and he just saw that that dog had like, you know, just the drive in him, um, far exceeded that of the Britney's that he had had in the past. So it was just based on experience. He then switched over to GSP's. Um, you know, I hunt with buddies who have centers and, and English pointers. Um, and I, I think every dog is, is unique. And if you get them on birds, I tell many people this, their bird dogs are only as good as, you know, the amount of time they get out. And right. if you aren't getting your dog on bird dogs, Hey, that wing on a fly line is just as good, you know, you know, as, as, as what it is. Uh, it's not on actual birds. It's not that true scent cone, um, so, you know, I, buddies who hunt wire hairs, like I've seen them outperform like GSPs and, and you know, Brittany's outperform um, set or, you know, English pointers. And so it really doesn't matter like the breed. I know like um, the poodle pointers are, are becoming more and more popular, um, but it's just getting your dog out there and exposed. 
And another thing that's not uh, anticipated for all those individuals on the East Coast, Midwest, the South, who bring out their field dogs uh, in the rough, dry terrain of the West, uh, make sure you bring, um, you know, I don't run my dog on boots, but make sure you bring boots or you have some type of tape to tape up those pads because I see it often on the old social media, just pads getting torn up um, with dogs who are used to the type of terrain that's out West. And so I think that's crucial to not only getting your dog out so he understands what it is to hunt uh, because, you know, with chucker chasers, we're just out there chasing, you know, these birds around where the dogs are actually doing the true hunting and you just want your dog exposed to uh, the type of train, you know, that they're going to experience. But um, like I said, I, I hunt GSPs. Majority of my friends have, have GSPs or, or pointers. Um, I really just think it fits the whatever you want or the, you know, your significant significant others interested in getting. Uh, just make sure that you do uh, the dog a favor and, and, and get them out on birds because if you're, you're keeping them as house dogs, uh, you're not doing anyone any favors. Yeah, <clears throat> I have a soft spot for GSPs. We had one uh, growing up that uh, my dad you know, trained to, to hunt upland birds. And yeah, those dogs are, I mean, I'm always fascinated with whatever the, you know, breed of the dog it is, but watching them work and seeing the relationship between handler and dog. And I mean, it's just, you know, for a lot of these, these breeds that, you know, are hunting dogs, you know, there's, it's just something inside of them. Right. And it, it really, it takes the, you know, the, the handler, the owner to kind of bring it out, but it's there. Right. And when when you see a dog, um, you know, really working and doing its thing, I mean, it's it's so cool to watch. It's one of those things that you just it's happened to me before when I was younger. Upland hunting is you get so distracted or you get so focused on watching the dog work. Bird flushes never even get your gun up. Right. And it's like, you know, the dog's probably looking at you like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like I did all this work (laughs) and here you are standing with your hands in your pockets, you know, like, come on, help me out here. Yep. I'll, I'll admit, and, uh, you know, I'm guilty of this with, uh, you know, running the chucker chaser Instagram. Sometimes, you know, I have my phone out when I shouldn't trying to get content <laughs> and it's a great point or, you know, I'm not paying attention truly. I mean, you, you realize like when the dog's working, when they're on scent, um, but I've missed some birds, some opportunities because I'm more focused on, uh, you know, the point or just like capturing a true dog, you know, work. And, uh, but it is, you know, it's, 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 it's captivating. It's, it's, it's one of those things that drives me to continue to go out. I mean, to get my dog on birds. If I leave for work, my dog's wondering, you know, Hey, load me up in the kennel and he'll, he'd probably stay in the kennel all day. Just, you know, the excitement that dogs see, or, <laughs> uh, you know, receive when they see their owners of like, Hey, I want to be with you at all times, because if we get an opportunity to go out and hunt, Hey, get me out on birds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my wife, you know, grew up without dogs. And then, so when I exposed her to a hunting dog and telling her like what they do, you could tell someone, but until they see it is, I think when they really like it, it makes sense. And, and so my wife, you know, talks often of, of when she, uh, realized why we have these, these dogs and, and the purpose they serve. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of to, to, to piggyback off of that. We had a, a lab when I was growing up as well that my dad and I would waterfowl hunt with. And he had, you know, trained this dog, you know, I mean, it was, it was a phenomenal duck dog for, for all that, it, that, that I know of it. But 
I mean, this dog knew when it was hunting season. I mean, like my dad could just <laughs> like take his shotgun, just, you know, just rack the chamber a few times and that dog would go berserk. I mean, it was like, okay, it's go time. It didn't matter if that dog was dead asleep on the couch. You rack that shotgun one or two times and it's up at your feet, tail wagging, like, let's go, let's do it. I'm ready. Come on. You know, so it's, they know, right? They absolutely oh, know yeah. when it's time. Yep. Well, that's the thing too. You know, some of these pointers, I think a lot of dogs and dog breeds get a bad rap for just their high energy and their high strung. And I would agree they are. Um, but a similar example with my wife, like she was getting warnings from other people about this dog is going to be batshit crazy. <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, they all are. But I think they also learned like when to shut it off. I mean, yeah, yeah. like that lab knew when the season was. I mean, they, they know they're going to be working hard if it's, you know, for waterfowl or upland. Um, I mean, they, they figured out they, they're, they're high strung for a short while. You get them out enough. They realize how to, you know, that it's like a light switch. They know how to preserve it. Um, like my dog, I'll, I'll, I'll hunt them some that, you know, three to five day like trips at times. And I hope that he, you know, he can make it, you know, day four or, you know, give him a little break on, you know, for that final day before the final day. And, they kind of, I think from those type of uh, experiences, they realize, all right, like I'm not going to burn my energy. I'm going to preserve it in, in certain ways. And um, that's the hope. Again, I've said it a few times, but that's the hope, at least for my mind mindset behind it. But, you know, I think if you, you work a dog, you know, as, as a pup and get them exposed early, uh, they're a little more well-mannered. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you mentioned earlier that you have um, the second chapter uh, in Idaho for, for the foundation. Do you guys have plans to expand that into some of the other West, Western states? Um, or are you guys just kind of happy with, with where things are at now and, and you have, you know, the, the other chapter, um, in Idaho kind of running itself? Um, well, I'd love it truthfully. Uh, it, this is, uh, all volunteer work, um, that has been, you know, and even like trucker chasers, it was a side, um, hobby essentially it was you know hey we chucker hunt hey let's bring a camera let's make some videos um, and it's turned into so much more than I could have ever imagined which is great uh, but I also have a day job as well that that, that pays the bills um, and that's you know I think uh, family and, and and quality of life and a good work-life balance is, is is crucial and it's been nice to see where chucker chasers has has grown and where it's at now and you know the like I said the the Idaho chapter was somewhat of a fluke by just some party crashers who, um, you know, had had the motivation to, to, to see this forward. And it was a risk. And, and so, you know, one thing that we pride ourselves in, on the foundation side is, you know, when we promote something and say, hey, all the money raised here stays here, um, we were very cautious of supporting another chapter and we said all right like you know we'll support you but we aren't going to have funds that have been raised here in nevada you know invest for lack of a better term into this chapter and so you need to do you know your due diligence and, and work hard to have this be successful and their first dinner was in 2020 um and they they netted you know it was about 10k that they netted on their first shindig and it wow, was that's like awesome. that's great i mean huge and so it went to uh, certain um, activities in, in, in Idaho. I know that they did a, a, a clay shoot uh, for youth and then a, a rehab project. Um, and then they were postponed on their event last year, but they're, they're excited about April's event this year. 
Um, and so with this, that success, um, I think other states have seen it. And we have had individuals from Wyoming and Oregon and Washington reach out. Um, but at times it is just getting around to it for me and the, the board and then also saying, all right, like we're here for you and we're supportive. But like this is how we started. We thought small. Um, you know, we said, Hey, if 20 people will show up to a bar and we could have a few raffle prizes, like great. Um, and so it is just kind of thinking small, putting things in perspective, um, you know, as to, are you able at, you know, where you're at in life to be committed. And thankfully the guys up in Idaho and, and their significant others, um, have been committed to it, to see it succeed. And so I'd like to have it happen. It just, um, kind of depends on the, the individuals uh, who are willing to to get it up and running. Um, but a cool side note with that, we had this kid, uh, his name's Rocky, or goes by Rocky. Uh, he was up in Washington. He reached out. He was a high school kid, uh, needed some volunteer hours. And we said, yeah, we'll facilitate. You know, we'll we'll work with the, the Department of Fish and Game up in Washington and, you know, make sure that they approve any type of project you need for volunteer hours. And so he did a... Uh, for guzzler's sake, he did a, uh, a repair. He didn't build out any guzzlers, but did a repair job on a handful of guzzlers that were already set up there, um, fully documented it, did a write-up, and completed about 40 hours of volunteer work so he could uh, – it was part of his graduation project. I mean, he needed it to graduate. And then uh, I just wrote him a letter of recommendation for um, a scholarship for his uh, – uh, upper education, but it's cool to be a, have a presence as a foundation. Um, although we are a chapter, there's no chapter in Washington currently, but for an individual to reach out and say, Hey, can you guys help me facilitate this and, 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 you know, work on me with this project. And so that was pretty fulfilling. Um, that was done last year. And so ideally chapters also would be great, but for now it's, it's manageable with Nevada and, and Idaho. Yeah, no, that's a super cool story, especially, I mean, it takes, uh, it takes a little bit of courage uh, at that age to reach out um, to, you know, a, a foundation, uh, you know, a conservation organization, what have you, to, you know, try to have them help you, um, you know, in, in Rocky's case, you know, what can I do, um, you know, to to fulfill what he needed to on his side of things. But I'd imagine that, you know, the experience that he gained in those 40 hours um, could not fully be. I guess comprehend. It's it, it'll probably be hard for him to comprehend everything that he learned. It's probably going to be like ten years down the road, and he has you know memories of that, and he starts thinking back on what he learned that he didn't really absorb at the time. Um, that's going to you know be way more valuable than you know the paper that he wrote at the time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, when he reached out. It was like he almost reflected on, hey, you know, the project I want to work on, I hunt in these certain areas. I've seen, you know, the guzzlers kind of, you know, the guzzlers are all throughout um, Nevada. And I know California has them. Idaho um, surprisingly doesn't. And I, it's weird to me. Sometimes, they, you know, I, I don't know the reason entirely, but I, I truly think guzzlers are beneficial. When you're in dry, arid areas, um, you know, it's a water source. It's an absolute right. water source. There's, there's no denying it. Um, and, and just a you know quick example, uh, the drought that was experienced in Nevada and kind of all through the West, um, a lot of money was put in uh, to the um, 
projects associated with water dumps on Guzzlers in Nevada and, and Nevada Bighorns Unlimited, a massive nonprofit in the state of Nevada that collaborates very well and closely with the Department of Wildlife in Nevada. Um, they, I mean, it was close to, I want to say, don't quote me on this, but about a half million dollars was spent of doing water drops on guzzlers throughout Nevada to maintain bighorn sheep populations. Wow. So if anyone says guzzlers don't work, they absolutely do. And in a lot of like the bighorn sheep country, um, the whole challenge and addiction that goes with chucker hunting, uh, chucker are, you know, they, they live in, in bighorn sheep country. They live in elk country. Um, they are those type of bighorn and elk hunts are challenging for big game hunters. So if you can imagine people who are crazy enough to chase wild devil birds, they're in that type of element and the back country. Um, so it's rugged terrain and, you know, guzzlers are, are very important to wildlife and, and the whole ecosystem. And, you know, when, when Rocky reached out and said, Hey, there's, you know, some of these areas I hunt, I've seen some, you know, damaged or, you know, the need of, of repaired uh, guzzlers in these areas. I'd like to do it. And I thought, you know, what high school kid is that committed one to reach out yeah. kind of, you know, cold, cold call. Um, I presented it to the board foundation wise and they are all committed to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, reached out, you know, again, this is all volunteer. This is not my day job, but took the time to reach out to the agency in Washington, did email introductions, made sure that it was full disclosure, transparent. We knew everyone was on board with what was happening and Rocky did a great job to be able to compile that data essentially as a high school kid and, and, and document what, uh, guzzlers were, were repaired. Um, so, uh, good for him. Um, I, I, I wish him um, success in the future with what you know, wherever uh, life takes him with his education, his career. But um, I thought that was very, very cool of him to do. And hopefully, when he reflects back, um, it's you know something that he then could you know pass along to whether it's his kids or you know family members and friends of, of what he, uh, even though it was a small commitment, it was much larger. And, and I, I hope he sees that later in life. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's very well put. So how can people get involved with the foundation? Um, let's say if they're you know, like someone like me who's who's here in the Midwest, is there a way for me to get involved? Like, I guess maybe through donating uh, or, you know, how would that look for for someone, you know, not in Nevada that wanted to, to help be a part of the foundation or help uh, support the cause? Absolutely. There's there's many platforms. Um, one, there's a social media aspect of it. <clears throat> Again, Chugger Chasers um, is a separate, you know, entity uh, that does media content and the, and the, the branding and merchandising um, online. And then the foundation itself has its own social media, has its own Facebook, um, has its own web page. Uh, if you go to ChuckerChasers.com forward slash uh, foundation, there's a breakdown of who the board members are. Um, contact information, email. Uh, we did have memberships up last year. We ran the foundation had annual memberships, lifetime memberships, and business specific memberships. Um, we're dealing with a new platform system, and so hopefully by summer of this year, we'll have a new online system for memberships. And that's the biggest way. Like we've had a huge. Um, there's about you know in launching it about a year ago. You know, we had about 100 individuals sign up as members, whether it was annual business or lifetime, uh, which was great. Some of those partners, um, you know, the, the, we have some industry partners on the foundation side uh, that were committed to those memberships. And so 
hopefully summer we'll have uh, members, you know, a new, new membership platform that uh, that's a good way to, to donate and, and to support the organization. Um, again, Reno's event, unfortunately sold out, but it is March 12th may have some extra tickets. Um, but for right now we we're, we're limited with just the space, but, you know, try to come to those annual fundraising events. I, I, the big thing with those events are it's very unorthodox. It's not like your typical, you know, table of eight, round table of eight, round table of 10. It's that whole Basque kind of mindset of family style dining, get to know your neighbors um, and have a fun time. I mean, we tend to have live music. Um, it, it's more of a, I wouldn't say rowdy, but it's just more of an unorthodox, um, have a good time, get to know, you know, the familiar friends, familiar faces, uh, new friends, new family. Um, but that's March 12th in Reno, if you can make it an event, or April 2nd in Boise, Idaho. Uh, they're having their event, and tickets should be released here in the coming days, and they're doing it at the Hayden Beverage uh, Company in Boise. And so if you could make it to any of the events, they're always a good time. Um, and like I said, hopefully, uh, you know, there'll be memberships up this summer, um, or you could always send a check to the uh, to the addresses that are listed on the web page. Um, like, you know, it, it is a 501c3. Uh, the EIN is available um, on the web page for any type of donation or contribution, and that's how you could get involved. Awesome. Yeah, I know we're <clears throat> we're getting pretty close here to uh, to your cutoff time here, but I just want to ask you a few more things, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. So how was it that you learned about uh, 2% to, to get involved from um, the, the the brand side of things? So it's it's kind of like what I mentioned earlier about just the community uh, aspect of all this. I think, you know, whether you're big game or upland, um, you know, chucker specific, you know, it was seeing, you know, some of the chucker chasers had some great partners and um, first light. Uh, it was involved with 2%. And so from seeing that involvement, looking into it, um, you know, brand recognition, you know, I, I was beginning to see 2% um, making more of a, an outreach effort. And so reached out to Jared and Jared and I, I believe we chatted on the phone first, you know, try to get, you know, feelers of just, you know, what 2% actually was. And then, um, you know, started the process of, of the, getting, getting the certification. So it was it was really through the I think the the outreach done by two percent, knowing that some of um, the partnerships that Chucker Chasers has um, and seeing the the, the co branding, co partnering, um, you know, and, and making a difference. I mean, talking to Jared, he goes, "Oh, you do, you know, your your you and you know what you do behind uh, Chucker Chasers and Chucker Chasers like where its vision is and like the growth." Um, like you would, you know, Chuck Chase is an absolute candidate for a certification. So it was, it was, uh, through that all, um, the recognition, the, the exposure, um, and then some of the partners, you know, being, being affiliated with 2% is, is really what led us to seek our certification. Yeah, and the Chucker Chasers Foundation is also, uh, or it's part of the recently launched uh, community partner program through 2% as well. Yep, which is very cool. I'm glad that you guys, uh, you know, with 2% started that. Um, and yeah, the, the foundation now has that association. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it sounds, I, I mean, I, I'm just always super impressed. And, and it, I always, this is like my the favorite part of, of my job with, with hosting the podcast is, is getting to talk to people who have, you know, built something 
right? I mean, starting with the brand and then now the foundation and all the good that's coming out of it. And, you know, all the while this is, you know, uh, you know, secondary uh, in terms of work for, for you. And I'd imagine for, you know, some of the other um, uh, co-owners with you as well. And not, not to mention, you know, the board members that are doing it all on a volunteer basis. I mean, to me, that really shows the character of people when it's secondary and they're, you know, they're not doing it to make money, right? It's not this big money grab. They're doing it for the betterment of wildlife for a specific species. And, you know, I think that those are the types of platforms and organizations that really tend to make um, a long lasting change. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, real quick, Damon, where can people find Chucker Chasers at? So we're primarily online, um, you know, hats, shirts, sweatshirts, um, decals. Again, like a lot of our stuff is in jest. Uh, you know, hopefully there's the, the, some of these individuals understand the, uh, underlying, uh, you know, uh, emphasis we put on, uh, you'd only know if you were actually out there, um, for some of our products, I mean, for instance, we have a, an ice cream cone uh, that uh, is to really make a joke on when sometimes when we're out chucker hunting, uh, you find you come across chucker shit, and it, uh, it's a green, green cone with a, a little bit of white ice cream on top. Um, <laughs> so our, our website, chuckerchasers.com, um, you know, we have an online online store. Uh, and offer a lot of lot of different options, so you can find us there. Shields in Reno and Sparks carries our our product too, which they've been a great um, partner. Uh, you know, supporting local businesses, but our primarily um, our store online gets the most traffic. Um, and then through Instagram, there's a link to our website. Um, so all online um, is is the best way. Note that we are going through a, a, this transition. Uh, so probably a new website launched or an online store launched sometime in the summer. Um, but for now, shirts, sweatshirts, hats are available. Awesome. Well, Damon, let's, uh, I really enjoyed this, man. We're going to have to do this again soon. Absolutely. Like we said at the beginning, glad we could finally connect. Yeah. Well, uh, take care of yourself and uh, good luck with the upcoming banquets. Awesome. Thanks. If you make it out this way, you'll have to get a hold of me. Yeah, absolutely. Will do, Damon. All right. Have a great one. All right. Take care. Okay, well, thanks again to Damon for joining me today. I would like to thank the partners of the podcast, Wild Rivers Coffee and Stone Glacier, as well as 2% for Conservation. Uh, Make sure you guys are going out and supporting the brands that support this podcast and help make it possible. Uh, And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you can check out all the certified brands, including Chucker Chasers, that you should support uh, when you shop. I also encourage you guys to follow 2% on social media where they're going to post only positive conservation-driven content in your feed. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Be sure to check out theaverageconservationist.com and check out all of the previous podcast episodes as well as pick up um, some gear and apparel to help support conservation. Uh, We've got some new stuff uh, coming next week, so definitely be sure to check that out. So... As always, stay safe and remember that conservation starts with you. Wow.